down the far side, got a man open in the end zone. Stills grabs a touchdown. Kenny Stills, what a pair of hands. Lehman showing blitz. There's the blitz. Yesterday, man, they're scared. Damn scared. They're scared, and that's not to our advantage. You have to get a scared man, scared team. Super job, you're a champion, undisputed champions. Alright, everybody, welcome to the Bud Berry Bob and Beer Podcast. We are on pretty much every major platform as far as podcasting goes. I'm your host today, Kamir Moravian, joined by my loyal compadre and Steven Brown. Steven, it is a Tuesday. It's 9 o'clock. <clears throat> Oklahoma got a couple pieces of good news today, but you uh, you had a busy day, sounds like. Super busy day. I worked like a half day today, right? And then my friend was like, let's go golfing. And of course, you know, what you go advisory... At? uh hefner north so not too far away it's in the city uh extremely hot i forgot sunscreen and i played probably the worst i've ever played like i had a terrible moment right in front of the cart girl like i'm teeing off over the water what'd you do and like there's this group behind us just screaming i just topped this ball so i hit it on the bottom of my club at the top of the ball (laughs) and it just basically just popped up in the air didn't go anywhere. Jeez. It was rough. Stuck rough time. going. But two commitments. I'm just now catching up to that. So yeah, Steven, uh, they didn't have the what the best nobody brought their cell phone? <laughs> or like what? I was the person that brought my phone charged. So I was the DJ, so I just left my phone in the cart, oh. playing podcasts, playing some music. I was listening to Uncontested, trying to get caught up with the thunder. So well, thanks. I wasn't exactly out. checking it. I should have. Oh, well, you, geez, you missed some stuff. And, was, and so we're obviously going to talk about that like pretty soon, right? And so, yeah, was, didn't James Hill like retweet some porn again? Is that the, yeah, if you missed uh, James Hale's, uh, I mean, screenshots live forever. Um, that's all I'm going to say about it. I'm not going <laughs> to, I don't want to talk too much about it. I mean, hey, you know, it, it's, it's 2023. Um, so whatever you want to retweet on your timeline, that's your, that's your prerogative. James just needs like a a burner phone. (laughs) Yeah, that would be like, well, maybe that I don't want to get too much into this. Maybe that like, that's what the, (laughs) maybe that's what it was. Like he forgot, but I don't, I don't want to, I mean, it happens all the time. Yeah, it it does. Actually, it it super (laughs) does to people like way more than you would think. Like I, if it were me. I'm like triple checking. I'm on the right profile. If I would have a burner to make sure that it's not from my actual thing. Like who's like so many athletes um, such as Kevin Durant um, have exposed themselves like multiple times um, by like thinking they're a fan on their burner and defending themselves. Like when Katie said, uh, he got uh, besides Westbrook and um, uh, and Harden. Who are you going to win a championship with? Uh, I can't. No, I can't play with the rest of those cats. But then later on in his life, yeah, he's asked like, um, 
and he thought it was from his burner and it was from himself and that was a oopsies and um later on in his career actually like pretty recent they were asked of who the top five best players he played with and he listed off ibaka and ironically uh did not list off westbrook even though he said i only got russ and james so uh dude's still salty what about uh kendrick perkins Those were, you know, those were the good days, but that those were the sad times too. You know what I mean? Like you had this, you had so much optimism for the future, and then a Notre Dame game night, and it all just changed in an instant. And then the and the, menis, the meniscus tear a year later, that didn't, that, that didn't help. Yeah, because they were actually favored to win the that uh, the title that year. Kevin Martin was that was like, like their chance. Yeah, yeah, that was. But anyways, let's talk about other stuff, man. Um, <clears throat> We, we got to talk about transfers. We didn't, we didn't talk about it last week, last week. That's a lot of it was basically a, we were playing a podcast on like two days and both of which days there was the gnarly severe weather outbreak. And then like, I had like a family thing. And so the, I usually we, blame Jack or Chisholm. Yeah. I mean, well, ch- congratulations to Chisholm to finishing his uh, step at the franchise uh, just announced, but he kind of tipped us off a few days ago. Great guy. Uh, fantastic person. Uh, can say more about him. So uh, he's always welcome on the podcast, of course. But um, you got a lot of stuff. So LeBlanc. It, there's <clears throat> scuttle. Uh, I like to use I, use. I like to use the word scuttlebutt. It's, you know, it doesn't, I feel like it doesn't get used. It doesn't get used enough. It's uncommon. For uncommon, sure. yeah. And, you know, Brent's thing, be the uncommon man, right? You know what I'm saying? Uh, but uh, <laughs> the scuttlebutt behind LeBlanc is that he was uh, transferring to UCF with a former teammate he was actually in the trenches with in high school. Uh, is that Brent Venables continued and his and staff continued to pursue um, transfers on the defensive line. Uh, specifically, I imagine, I don't imagine Philip uh was the needle mover here. I would imagine it would be uh, Dejon Terry, who is immediately taking some snaps. And then throughout the season, we've obviously talked about in a few podcasts prior, uh, they'll likely increase. Um, And that's the scuttlebutt around it. At least that's the smoke around it. So he goes to UCF or he reunites with with a high school teammate. I feel like, I mean, A, does it really hurt OU? And B, um, I feel like that's a year to say, hey, look at this true freshman actually getting a lot of snaps on a team that he would get a lot of snaps on just as a springboard to transfer his into his sophomore year. Is that's kind of that's kind of the vibes I'm getting. I'm not saying like I'm not throwing trash on his name, but that's kind of what I'm, I'm that's where I'm getting at. He's that kind of talent. Yeah, so there were some well, let's speak on this. LeBlanc left because of the transfers. And I think there was something else going on at home. So let's not just assume. Sure. It was totally on OU. But uh, I think a lot of things culminated. Transfers obviously didn't help that situation. But uh, also in the spring, you heard a lot that Ashton Sanders was actually looking a lot better than LeBlanc. Mm-hmm. Um, of that true freshman group, which probably should have raised some eyebrows. But we, I don't, I don't think anyone ever flinched to it. So 
And Brent uh, really liked uh, Ashton Sanders. He made a lot of comments about yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. But listening, I mean, just hearing that and listening to, to Gabe and Teddy talk about the situation, it just seemed like once he got on campus, I think a lot of people understood that it just wasn't going to happen for him. And I think it's probably just better to get over with now. Uh, obviously, he can he can stay in state in Florida. So, um, in the short term, I think it does kind of hurt OU at least optics wise. Um, but if it just if no one really believed that he's going to be the guy, then I don't think it really hurts OU at all. Sure, sure. Like if you it's believe, frustrating though. If you really believed he was the guy, you would try to do everything in your power to get him to stay. Right. Um, but it seemed like they were just like, okay. Yeah, like we understand, etc. Um, instead of like you know, and got Todd Bates putting people in the NFL, so um, yeah. it would be tough to walk away from that. And so going back to a place that's familiar, like you said, don't not not trying to assume things. So that's a good point. But the same thing, like you mentioned, I also agree on the premise that it's like the staff was okay with it, but also it so definitely it was like I was surprised. I mean, everybody was surprised. It was it was not. I don't think it hurt their feelings at all. Yeah. And something, something else that uh, I'm just now thinking of. Uh, of course, we didn't, we didn't, since we didn't podcast, we didn't talk about Jordy Ball. Or as when she tweeted out her uh, goodbye letter, it was Jordan Ball. She added the N to the name, which I thought was interesting. Uh, maybe in for Nebraska, or just because she wants to go by Jordan. Uh, uh, I don't know what that. I don't know, but I want to speculate there. But. Just want to say, of course, on behalf of, I, mean, I know you've been watching, you watch softball more toward the uh, playoffs uh, or the, in the Big 12 tournament, probably somewhere around there. And uh, what she's done at, at, her, at her career with Oklahoma. I mean, you went to national titles, uh, one in which you basically punch everything out. You're the closer and nobody know, nobody can hit off you really with an ERA of uh, below zero or <laughs> it's uh so congrats to her uh she's gonna go to nebraska i'm curious to see what how good nebraska is because they haven't necessarily been a perennial powerhouse but they just gained the best pitcher in the united states so would like to say congrats to her on her transferring out i mean she's earned hers um there's rumors of her and like having like weird issues with patty but i that's all crap you know like why would you have issues with that no one has an issue with Patty, unless you're the uh, Texas head coach. Yeah, Mike White. You know, he's not a fan. Lots of pictures of him <laughs> uh, flipping, flipping the cameras off. Real classy guy. He's from like New Zealand. There's, I didn't, I was unaware of the amount of New Zealanders and Australians um, that were softball coaches. Apparently, it's a very big sport over there. I mean, it's it is becoming really? a one year, but um, yeah, I was very surprised. I was like, what's that accent? I was like, that's not Texas. I thought they just played like cricket. <laughs> I mean, they did that too. But in uh, rugby, don't forget rugby. Rugby, yeah. Uh, but yeah, congrats to Jordy Ball. Uh, I mean, I thought she handled it well. Yeah. As well I, as mean, could. I mean, and she even mentioned it. She knew that she was kind of transferring out, especially toward the beginning of the season. So it's like one of those things where she just wanted to finish what she started. So good on her for doing that. I appreciate that. Um, but anyways, dude, this recruiting weekend, uh, people were like, I was getting DMs. What? This is going to be another one of Brent's like 
no no commits uh is there, is there any gonna be anybody that commits a yada yada um and, you know I, was, I got like two or three of those like for real and you get two commits on today with the, which is the, the 20th tuesday right after uh, a lot of people are getting back home from uh this big recruiting event that i mean a lot of parents are tweeting about it which i thought was weird but really that's kind of like brent's style is go to the parents make sure like this is like what's in your son's best interest and then recruit the kid with like the actual position coach which is like something that i think is actually pretty significant like i think that that's that that approach i don't even think bob kind of really had that approach either uh so it seems very intentional on brent's part to recruit the parents um a lot and so you get a commit from Nesta, a a four star linebacker, um, some have him as three. He's six foot five. Okay, so he's definitely not yours typical what you've seen at Oklahoma for the last, uh, not really like last year because they were actually had a really good linebacker class last year, uh, but the previous years, you know, they were like six one, six six foot, five eleven sometimes. Frank Shannon is not was not a tall man. Okay, um, and <laughs> so like, what, maybe six foot. Maybe. maybe, maybe six foot. And so like to get big linebackers, six, three, six, four, six, five long athletes. He, I think he's going to play baseball too, if I'm uh, not mistaken. Um, hell of an athlete that he says, I'm going to, he say, he even said, I'm going to play their cheetah position. I'm very versatile. So they said I could even end up playing inside linebacker as well. And so he's a three, four star, four star linebacker. I mean, depending on what service you use from North Carolina, c- consistently getting to those li- Carolinas. Um, and then you get another commit, which is maybe you were expecting two, but this was not one that I was pinning on for today or anytime really re- soon in Des- Dozia Ezukama, um, who a- Emmett Jones is very, very familiar with that family. He recruited, or helped recruit his brother uh, to Texas Tech. He's six foot four, even though he's a three star. Um, I expect that thing to be bumped up after this year's, after the, his senior season or during his senior season. And so those are a couple. And then you have Durham trending OU, five foot nine, junior Olympics, sort of good speed. Uh, four star Xavier Robinson, who is trending OU from Call Albert, who is God. He reminds <laughs> me of those, those. Uh, was it Javorski Lane at Texas oh, A&M? Those, those yeah. massive back. running backs. I was like, who's, I, I, you know, like looking at their profile, it's different than looking at them on film and seeing how large this man actually is and at how agile he is for being that type of running back. But we talked pre, pre, post, uh, uh, not post, but previously about before we started recording about how he might end up as an H back. But Man, I don't know, maybe maybe a heavy set guy. So, man, tell me about these guys. I mean, there's a lot of running backs here, and we haven't mentioned Tatum, who seems to be trending USC, but it also wouldn't make too too much sense to have uh, Durham trending OU, Xavier Robinson trending OU, and also to have four scholarship running backs that are really young so far. Um, and not counting Marcus Major, who's going to be leaving soon. Um, it would be really odd to have seven running backs, I suppose, that <laughs> on scholarship. But that's just me. 
Uh, so what are your thoughts on the, everything that happened today and also the running backs and others guys that visited this weekend? Cause there's a lot of stuff going on. Yeah, we can start with, uh, with Nesta. Cause I think that's the one commitment everyone was kind of expecting there. Yep. Um, he had added a lot fresh off a of visit. Um, a guy that comes with like huge stature, six, five, probably two ten right now. Um, says he's going to play cheetah. I, I kind of doubt that because remember last cycle, pretty much every defensive recruit was going to play uh, cheetah and it's just not going to work out that way. So that's just something you say this. Like it's, it's like when you say associate head coach, so you can get a little bit more money. Uh, It's something to throw on top. You know, it's like, it's like every kid gets a specific Bud Wilkinson scholarship. And then like you find out later, every, (laughs) like all 23 of the recruits got this special Bud Wilkinson scholarship. You know what I mean? (laughs) But he's a guy that he plays super physical. Um, I kind of want to see how twitchy, how fluid he is before I kind of think he's going to be an inside linebacker. To me, if it's more as like a rush in, but he's a development guy, a um, guy with high upside. So we'll see what they do there. Dozy has a comma. Everyone knows I was an Eric has a comma truther back in 2018, uh, back when they recruited two wide receivers that basically didn't even make it to campus. Uh, but Josie has a comma, 6'4", uh, pretty fluid, just like his brother, a uh, little little, little bigger in statue. So I think he's about two inches taller, um, probably going to be more of a possession receiver, whereas his, his brother is kind of speedy. Um, but big get for him. Obviously, Emma Jones is familiar with that family, like you said. So um, if he gets on campus, starts training the same way as his brother, oh, you got a, a huge steal in that, in that regard. So um, I think the one subject that, pretty much everyone's going to talk about his running back. Caden um, Durham, fresh off his visit, trying uh, everything's trending in OU's direction there. And then this morning with all the Tatum stuff, uh, kind of come out from the baseball side, actually, mm-hmm. um, where the OU baseball staff basically sold him on being a dual sport athlete, kind of the, in the same manner as uh, Kyler Murray. So yeah, uh, it was pretty much a guarantee that USC was going to land Tatum. But right now it seems like he's trending OU's way. So, uh, we'll see where that goes in the next 48 hours. Sure. And isn't that interesting? And that I just, I, I'm, I just look at USC and uh, of course, like we're very, very aware of how Lincoln Riley recruits. Um, it's, it's really interesting to see how he recruits and he's very, very flashy in regards to the, um, position players like specifically your your uh running backs wide receivers quarterbacks i mean uh, he's 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 shown his he's shown that right that he's very good at that uh but he's he also shows that i don't he it's not like he lacks a killer instinct because he did consistently bring in like some of the best talent but man he had a lot of misses on guys like, and I feel like, like in guys that were highly rated, don't get me wrong, but I feel like he had a lot of misses on guys and it had more to do with stuff that wasn't on the field. Am I, do I, am I wrong? Or is that like, is that a, is, well, is that did a he bad... overlook some, some issues? Yeah. Like, I think Brent, Brent and his staff, I think they do. I don't want to say Lincoln Riley did no research at all because I'm pretty sure they did, but sure. Uh, there's a vetting process that was that's at Oklahoma now that that wasn't there under Lincoln Riley. 
and it's not all just huddle films and meetings and stuff. They're going to ask the coach. They're going to ask their teammates. Yeah. Teachers, everything. So they're, they're pretty thorough about it. I just think, I don't know if that, like, I, I don't know if that philosophy wins out at, at the end of the day. You don't, that's, that's not what Nick Saban's doing. That's not necessarily what Kirby Smart's staff is doing. That's, and I'm not talking about Brent. I'm talking about Riley. The, that's not what uh, Ryan Day at Ohio State, that's not what he's doing. Like, all these dudes are as thorough as Brent is. And so I think that's where ultimately Lincoln Riley will fall short. Like, Caleb Williams could have gone to the NFL after, after last year. He's going after this year. Do I think we'll see another player like him within the next five to seven years? No. Of of that of that talent? You're saying Kevin uh Kevin Sperry's not as good as Caleb Williams. Am I saying who? Uh Kevin Sperry. <laughs> I am indeed saying that. He's he's a, he's of course, like we can say, like, we'll look at Kyler Murray. Well, Caleb Williams happens to be like a foot taller and he can do a lot of those same <laughs> things. Okay. Um, and so it, it, it's just, it's, it's just amazing. Like the generational athletes he has lived on and never had to die on. And so I don't know if, how, how lasting of a recruiting aspect that is, but um, do you feel like there's any other smoke coming out of, the, this big event because it was this massive uh, event like you they're like eating in airplane hangars with nice cars that was actually taking, really cool taking really good really that. good and great actually like really 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 great pictures this time with a throne for some reason ryan broils is upset even though like they it's not like they didn't get free stuff like when they were players at ou so like i quit complaining you got please. free gas don't don't you can't he was young and Bob took Bob took a chance. We're, that's, that's, that's all I'm gonna say. God jeez. He played a man. I was in high school the first time I ever see I ever saw him play live. Uh he was he was a senior at Norman. I think I was like a sophomore or junior. And I was like, I don't know, but that player keeps on just like killing us. <laughs> and I found out it was Ryan Broyles and Moses Madu in the same team. And that was the game that Ryan Broyles caught a touchdown pass. And never looked forward again. He just was looking still back at his quarterback and he ran straight into the goalpost. Whoops. The streets right into the goalpost. It was pretty, it's pretty uh, satisfying. But uh, anyways, <laughs> well, now anyways, anyways. Um, but as, as far as defensive line, because that's where like everything is has a sense of urgency going into the sec and the sec like oklahoma bill beatenbow has been doing a lot of work they, they have like pretty much a shit ton of four-star offensive linemen in the coffers uh they've got young guys they're portaling in more experienced guys uh and some youth too and um you trust the beatenbow process sure whatever cool it works Seems to have worked. <laughs> He's in the past pretty well. Uh, when you have a good strength against shooting program, um, but the defensive line on that interior, 
not so much. You've always kind of had to worry about that run game up the middle uh, and somebody just like getting free untouched. And that's so not what Oklahoma kind of used to be. And I mean, the trenches will wins in the SEC specifically, specifically the trenches. They that it means the most like generational quarterback play can get you places. Um, but do you think Oklahoma lands substantial guys in this defensive line class specifically for the interior? The you know, your your edge guys, Oklahoma seems to be doing pretty well with. And we've talked about this before, but Oklahoma also seems confident in some aspects that they'll be able to land some guys on the interior, but then it's also Oklahoma. And we've heard that before they felt confident. They felt confident. They felt confident. And then it was signing day and you didn't get any of those guys or many of those guys to that. Um, what you, what you got for me? Any, any good news? Um, I think there's some good news. Like, Probably the most substantial movement was a David Stone, um, kind of getting him, Caden Durham, and Michael Patterson McDonald uh, together and kind of getting on, on the same page. That, hey, you guys can be, you know, quote unquote, in state guys because they're all from Oklahoma or still live in Oklahoma. Um, yeah, I think I think they kind of sold them on being that in state trio, kind of difference makers on in recruiting. Um, whereas. I think other guys like Jason Ross, I think they've moved a lot there. Um, Nigel Smith, that's kind of still a battle with Ohio State. I kind of want to see where he goes with that. It feels like Oklahoma because he's just been to Oklahoma so many times, but uh, he just talks so highly about Ohio State. I I can't write him off just yet, but I would would give the lean to Oklahoma there. Where it gets interesting is when you go with like Williams Winery or Dominic McKinley, both five-star uh, defensive linemen. Oklahoma like feels like the leader right now. Uh, and I think they'll, they'll remain the leader throughout, you know, up until August. But as we've seen with defensive linemen, it turns into a bidding war mm-hmm. when you get closer to the signing day. So I think they could land a commitment. I don't know if it would stick with like Williams and Winery. Um, Dominic McKinley, I'm less – inclined to just because he's from Louisiana so close to uh, Baton Rouge. I think he's like an hour outside, but both of those battles will end up, I mean, basically just being bidding wars and we've seen Oklahoma kind of bow out of that race. So um, I think they'll, they'll land David Stone. I think they'll land Jay Sean Ross, uh, Wyatt Gilmore is another guy that I'm, I'm pretty sure they'll land yep. relatively soon. So he's like, still be a he's very like a good six, four two forty somewhere around there. Yeah. He's a little lighter, but, He's a guy that has, has high upside physical. Um, probably is going to play more on the edge than you inside. You just described Ethan Downs. He's white, yeah. You just described Ethan Downs. It's going to be a good defensive line class. Just, I think Oklahoma fans have been living this dream of they're going to land David Stone, Williams Maneri, Dominic McKinley, Nigel Smith. And that's just not feasible just because. Sure. Like, even if you look at Georgia, they don't land that many. Yeah high caliber defensive line. I mean, they'll land one or two. I it, but they're it, not gonna take all four. It's it's it it's gotta be being jaded over the last three to four seasons. Like yeah, when's like we, we've had this talk before. Jordan Phillips is the last damn 
interior defensive lineman that was like legitimately respectable, respectable, a respectable talent for Oklahoma in 2014. That's a decade. And Oklahoma hasn't had a presence like him because he went the second round, I think, to the Dolphins. Oklahoma hasn't had a presence, interior presence like him since then. He moved piles. Like Neville Gallimore might be the closest. And Neville yeah, we, had a really good career. But yeah, we talked, we talked about that. Like he was a great leader. He had a good career, but he did not affect the game to the right. effect that Jordan Phillips did. And that that's problematic. And I think people are jaded over it because, like you mentioned, it it's Oklahoma. When we start out this journey, right in June, July, August, September, it's all fun and games. You can you can have like maybe five of these eight guys, and then you end up getting like one or two maybe, and because it comes down to those bidding wars, like you mentioned, and then it's not most like it's not very ideal to be going chasing five star defensive linemen. Not to say they shouldn't be, but the damn Baton Rouge. LSU's campus is right there. And if he's a homebody and they are winning bidding wars, why wouldn't you? Brian Kelly. Yeah, Brian Kelly's going to walk in that house and put on his Cajun accent. And they're, you know, and then he's going to go tell the boosters how much money he needs. And so I think it's the jadedness of it all. uh, If that's that's even a word, you know? And, And so I think they will land some substantial defensive linemen in this class. I think Todd Bates is definitely worth the money. Um, I mean, we, we've seen what kind of defensive classes this team has put together already under year one for Brent, where we're seeing it again in year two under Brent. And the offense doesn't seem to be suffering too much either, if I'm being honest. And so go, talking about Kevin Sperry, so not for this coming incoming freshman class after this entire next school year is over. So this kid is going to be a junior when – School starts in September, but a four-star Kevin Sperry is transferring from Texas, his school, his high school in Texas. Can't remember what it is. Don't really care right now. Uh, to <laughs> Carl Albert in Oklahoma, 5A. Um, and he could be with a future teammate in Xavier Robinson, uh, who's uh, who's trending OU as well. What do you what do you make of that? I mean, like. Caleb Williams also transferred. He, 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 uh, Caleb Williams relocated from the DC area to live in Norm in an apartment in Norman. Uh, during his senior year of high school, he forgot, he, he forwent his senior year. He finished up early somehow, did his stuff, whatever it was. Um, I'm, of course, you know, worked at Lincoln Riley, I'm sure. And, uh, is that another one of these kind of possible situations where you're transferring? up to a school up north that happens to be not too far away from the OKC Metro in Norman. And you are a quarterback that is probably going to be one in the future. Or is this, what? what is that? What do you make of this? This is strange. <laughs> it's a little odd. Well, just hearing the comments that came out of it, it just feels like Kevin Sperry wants to be close to campus. He likes Oklahoma. He just likes the state. Um, obviously being, a C4 guy, probably not a lot of people are going to like that, but um, yeah, I think he just, he wants to start building his class and he wants to start doing it in Oklahoma. And one of the schools, I mean, probably on top of Oklahoma's list where he could land is Carl Albert, which is just producing so much talent. 
um, especially in 2025 with like Tristan Haynes uh, and then Xavier Robinson's there in this class. So yep. he's a guy that he's going to get familiar with a lot of in-state talent. Um, and, and in 2025, you look at Oklahoma's in-state talent with CJ Nixon, uh, Jaden Nickens, and then uh, Elijah Moore. So those are three names that'll probably end up being roughly top 100, top 150 type yep. guys. So yep. it's, it's kind of Oklahoma's dream scenario there. And this is why it's such a big deal that Brent is investing in Oklahoma athletes. This is a big deal. Why it, it, it's a big deal. Why Brent is investing in OK preps because, well, when you invest in those high schools, you come out and actually talk to the coaches, hold coaching clinics in Oklahoma. Um, you develop good relationships with them and don't lose those in state in state guys to Tulsa. Like they never used to lose guys in Tulsa. They never used to lose Oklahoma kids, period. And um, of course, that sounds very, you know, like old school of me, like, Oklahoma, but it's just it's simple fact. Oklahoma had the lion's share of all the good in state players and then everybody else had what was left over um even like osu but even osu is taking better recruits from from the state of oklahoma than than ou and that's problematic and so i mean it makes sense because as soon as he transferred to carl albert people were like why didn't he go to broken arrow well wasn't he at a at, at bixby you know like stuff like that um <laughs> It's like it's like well I don't I don't think I understand there are some pretty big names like in that area and just around the state in general that it would be a good idea to be at Carl Albert in 2025, but it's just it's it's just an interesting move that you this kind of came across your timeline and you're like oh okay that's that's interesting and do you think Jeff Lebby in any instance would be in involved here as Caleb Williams? was as well uh, a year early behind the scenes, not legally, essentially, according to the NCAA. Uh, yeah, I'm still wondering how Caleb Williams did that because Gonzaga doesn't let you graduate early. I'm pretty yeah. sure. But that's that's a different podcast. Uh, yeah, Jeff Libby, I think he's got to love it, right? Because yep. he can take, you know, visits pretty much every weekend to either he can go see Carl Albert or uh, – Sperry will be at Oklahoma. So yeah. um, they can build that relationship, make it stronger. Now it's going to bum people out because someone on some message board is going to be like, yeah, Levy's leaving next next summer. He's gone. He's going to take all the recruits. He's leaving in three weeks and taking all the quarterbacks and wide receivers. <laughs> yeah. Which I, I mean, I just don't see that happening, uh, especially with Kevin Sperry, who he just tends to like the program. Like I, I know he likes Jeff Levy. I know he likes Brent Venables, but he seems like a guy that, program means a lot more than the typical recruit uh he's drinking he's drinking brent's kool-aid that's what it is that's what it is it's the kool-aid it's not about it's not bad kool-aid uh i mean it seemed to work for his other national title teams or at least his national title defenses that were the best in the nation so i mean oh the old dab like punch good. yeah seems like pretty good kool-aid for some i suppose i mean it works more, nas- more national titles in uh, oklahoma seen the last 20 years anyways um <laughs> So Brent's staff, though, speaking of Brent, they're definitely mining for gems. Uh, do you get that sense as well that they will go and get a three-star player 
pretty quickly and also pretty quick. Well, I wouldn't say like pretty quickly as far as like, lots oh, their evaluation off from, I'm not saying that I'm saying that they'll go get a three-star player and pretty quickly the public, especially people that follow recruiting very closely and are very adamant on being prepared for the sec. I also agree that Oklahoma should be prepared for the sec are very, very quick to critique that Oklahoma should be only going after fours and five stars while Brent is mining, especially with these three-star guys. Do you think that is somewhat problematic? Do you think that that they have to, to an extent, right now, uh, with the talent that is attracted to Oklahoma? Do you think that's just a Brent thing to do as far as going and scouting the best, but also mind those three stars and maintaining those relationships? Uh, like, what do you think? Because we have talked about it. Stars do matter. Um, and of course, people don't want to see the program become a, you know, of course, Bama has three star guys too. Like, let's not say this will be disillusioned and say Bama, Georgia, everybody doesn't have three stars, but it seems like Oklahoma has several more. And so like, what's your whole take on this? Because I'm fine with mining for gems because it's worked out in the past. Like some of your, I mean, Sam Bradford was a three-star player. People have to, of course, that's what, everybody uh, comes, that's what people always come to. Right. <laughs> um, but I, I don't think it's a bad thought to open those relationships and those doors. Uh, but while you're also chasing the high-end talent as well. I, th I think that's the purpose behind it. But what do you think? Yeah, I think they just trust their evaluations. Like recruiting rankings are – they've gotten a lot better over the years, but they still sure. miss. I mean, look at Derek LeBlanc, yep. four-star guy that, that transferred out right away, and people are saying, hey, that something just isn't right there. So uh, I think recruiting rankings do miss on some guys. I mean, you look at like Theo Weiss, Trajan Bridges – Jaden Hazelwood, all five-star guys, and they never amounted to five-star careers. So there's some some give and take with the rankings. Right. Um, as far as getting the three-star guys, I think they just look for football players. I think we talked about it last podcast or the, the podcast before. Yeah, like like role, where They just role find players. dudes that, that either play football or just love football. Like that's what they eat, sleep, eat, you know, that kind of stuff. So uh, three-star guys – Obviously, there's some, some math out there. Everyone's like, oh, there's more three-star guys in the NFL, which is true because there's – to every 35 stars in each class, there's 703 stars. So, yeah, I think Ryan Broyles yeah. is a three-star player too. Ryan Broyles. I think Samaje P. Ryan, they, they bumped him up after his freshman year on 247. They, they kind of messed those rankings up, but he was a three-star guy. Stutzman was a three-star guy too, but that was during the pandemic. Yeah, yeah. so, I mean, there's – I don't know you – know, I don't know if they're like really gems it's just guys that you evaluate really well because a three-star guy is still top 500 guy in the country out of you know however many recruits what ten thousand recruits sure. or something like that sure. so there's talent out there it, it just doesn't look as good on paper yeah that's true and i mean oklahoma i i, I think this recruiting class is going to be relatively large am i am, right I bet they take, I mean, minimum would be 25, but I bet yeah. they make room for 27 if they needed to with the so right like, guys. 
Oklahoma is really and like, and of course there's going to be guys that transfer out. So they're going to be taking out the other transfers in and we're recruiting for those guys. Uh, and so this will still be a highly rated class, um, not just because of the talent they're bringing in, but also because of the sheer amount of players that they're bringing in as well, uh, because if they need to, and um, I, th- I, I think it's a good point to bring up, like, they are trusting their evaluation and they're also trusting the, their strength and conditioning program. They're trusting their coaches to develop the players uh, and how they should be and not just necessarily go after the talent. I mean, they're looking at guys that, for example, um, Oh, he, he was a quarterback, a 2025 quarterback that even tweeted this tweeted, tweeted it out today. Well, he was wearing an OU jersey. Who is that? I'm looking for it. Andy Bass. This kid is a 2024 three-star quarterback, uh, quarterback athlete. athlete from Heritage Hall, and he has he has he has athletes. He has offers from <laughs> the these are the these schools. I remember he has offers from Connecticut, Syracuse. And then a whole bunch of Ivy League schools and uh, some other directional schools. And so, like, that also tells me they're going after guys that aren't just pretty good athletes, but maybe guys that, I mean, if you're like, regardless of how much money you have, um, if you're getting into, if you're getting offered and getting into that many Ivy League schools, like, I don't know, it think it makes me think they're also going after other things as well, like other intangibles that you won't. You know, pistol whip somebody a drug dealer when you can go to the corner <laughs> with a card that you can just buy for two hundred dollars when you're getting more money than that underneath the table as an athlete. But I'm I just, think they I'm do a good job out. of getting guys that they are interested in. Like, hey, we really like your film. Come camp with us. We want to see you in person. Sure, get to see what you look like. Want to run you, run you through some drills and see, uh, you know, where where you would fit on this team. So, I think Lincoln Riley used to do that exclusively with quarterbacks because he would want to see them throw in person before offering. But for Oklahoma, it seems like if there's a guy they like, they'll find a way to get them mm-hmm. to a camp. It's it's just, it's the approaches are just so interesting and, and also just different. Um, and then the publicity about it is also just so much different. Um, and <laughs> that's another thing about Lincoln Riley is, uh, I mean, of course we talk about it all like, there's it's a still cult- fresh. The wound there's, is fresh. The, there's a culture issue there, and it lingers. We saw it last year. Like there's there's a there's a culture issue among the players, but uh, I, I mean, like a culture like a lack of discipline and responsibility. Like even as star players, I'm just throwing it out there. Anyways, um, one of uh, the guys that has been on this podcast before is known very very well uh, in Texas sports for. Uh, college athletics. Uh, we talked to him last uh, last year, last couple of years. He always dresses very, 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 very nice at Big Twelve Media Days. Um, and Shehan Jayaraja, he kind of gave his perspective ranking of the quarterbacks in the Big Twelve um, as far as you know from tiers and also just in like just down a row as far as as how he would rate them. And he mentioned. Uh, Dylan Gabriel is being the seventh best quarterback in the Big 12 this year, uh, having a 
uh, KU having a top three quarterback. Uh, this this is Sue. I mean, he had Quinn Ewers. He had uh, Daniels from Kansas. He had Will Howard from Kansas State. Um, he had Deckers from Iowa State and Shuck from Texas Tech and Chandler Morris from TCU as all higher than Dylan Gabriel and just above Shapin, which I thought was interesting. And Caden Slovis, I totally forgot he was at BYU, which I think is interesting. Um, but then he also mentioned the caveat of the flashes that Dylan Gabriel hasn't had as many flashes or maybe the opportunity to flash as much as guys like Will Howard, Quinn Ewers, etc. He's like, well, Quinn's coming to a decent offensive line and wide receiver and running back room. Dylan Gabriel's coming back to a shoddy offensive line and some young running backs and an unsure wide receiver room, which is fair. Um, but what do you, what do you think about this? Like to put Quinn Ewers, especially ahead. I mean, of course he's a good talent. I mean, you wouldn't get that rating if you weren't a, that great of a talent. I always passer. Um, but what, what do you think about that? Dylan Gabriel, seventh. Do you agree with that? Uh, I agree that he's not the best quarterback in the Big 12. Like Jaden Daniels at, at KU is really, really good. Ewers, I think. Yeah. Uh, Ewers, I think, is going to be good eventually. Obviously, last year. Had some ups and downs, but you expect that. I mean, Caleb Williams had some ups and downs as a true freshman. Sure. Playing on a, on a pretty decent team. So uh, I, I think I agree in that respect. I think Gil, or Gabriel is better than we saw last season. Obviously, last season, there's so much more than just Gabriel's play that you could judge just because Oklahoma is just a, a chaotic mess at sure. that point. You have a sure. new offense. New offensive line, new receivers, new defense, new head coach, new OC, new DC. Uh, so they were just kind of scrambling to get this thing together. Uh, so we'll kind of see where Dylan Gabriel lands. I think he'll end up being third best quarterback. I just Ewers and Daniels. I, I it's I I just think it's interesting because, I mean. He says at first glance, my quarterback rankings would be, and then he's like, well. Because he, he puts Chandler Morris right ahead of Dylan Gabriel. Chandler Morris was playing behind somebody last year. Chandler Morris didn't yeah, really play sense. that much last year. And so he's basing it off the context that, oh, well, they'll have like wide receivers and an offensive line and a running back, which TCU, they lost so much last year. And to put Chandler Morris there, I think is like, why would you say my big my big twelve rankings are, and then just say, well, they have a lot of talent around them? Okay, like yeah, the more situation doesn't make sense because he doesn't have Quentin Johnson to just throw it up to. Basically, that was that was most of their yeah. offense. Yeah, he really Duggan, was get the tough yards, and then they'll just throw it deep, and you know Quentin Johnson's going to come down with it somewhere. So. I mean, same with Deckers at I Iowa State. They just throw it up to like Kolar or something like that. So they yeah. do. And I, I, and like Gabriel statistically had like one of the best seasons out of all these, out of all these guys. I mean, it's just, it was just the glaring issues of when you needed the play the most, you didn't get it. And so like, that's what we're waiting on this year to see if that yeah. actually happens. Yeah. And I'd say so, talent wise, he's three or four. I think production wise will end up a lot higher than that, but yeah, that's what the kind of offense they run with. I I, I would say, 
I would definitely not say one because I saw I saw a website today that rated him as the, the as the number one. Uh, and it's just because of production, you know, in previous previous production at UCF, I was like, okay, and like, sure, if that's your argument, cool. Um, I I don't think he's one. I don't think he's two. I'm not sure. I mean, I really, I really, 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 really like um, Jane Daniels from Kansas. Yeah, he's fun. He's fun. Um, I'm not sure it's two. I I don't think it's two. Because Gabriel is just like he overthrows. That's the main gripe. He holds on to the ball too long. That's another main gripe. If he fixes or he doesn't really scramble sometimes when he really should just scramble for yards, he holds on to the ball too long. So like if you just like could fix one of those two things, throw the ball away scramble and or and throw it out of the throw out of bounds one of those two things uh that would help him immensely and but uh i think he's somewhere around three or four um do you i would agree with him being maybe like in a second tier behind like other guys like what we're seeing is like what we're seeing is somewhat above average quarterback play or to really just average quarterback play somewhere in between there. You're not, you're not seeing like excellence. You're not seeing guys at Heisman trophy ceremonies. You're seeing what is between average and above average. That's, that's what Dylan Gabriel is. He's just working in a system. He's familiar with and good at, I mean, do you feel like that's fair? Yeah. He's the guy that he's going to put up numbers regardless. I mean, he's got some talent, but no one's going to think he's otherworldly, but his familiarity with the system, the system itself is going to make him a good quarterback. Yeah. And just like, just like, I don't know, like make a release point lower or something like have Trevor Knight come teach you and uh, maybe a release point will be lower. And so you can actually not overthrow those guys. He just needs to avoid getting hit when he slides. Gun goodness gracious. That's true. Um, so Something we didn't get to talk about as well as the schedule drop last week. Man, it was I was I was surprised. A good way and 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 like I didn't know how to feel really about it. I mean, Oklahoma at home. Uh, it's it was kind of a really bad secret. It was OU and Bama and Norman first for for the first year, and that was the only one you really knew about. Uh, for a while, or always the public really, really knew about for a while. And then Ole Miss later on comes out and is like, Hey, we're playing Oklahoma. Uh, <laughs> and uh, at home and, and it's like, okay, well that's that tracks right there. And then South Carolina mentions Oklahoma uh, being away. It's like, okay, they're piecing it every day all together. Uh, and then finally they just come out and say, Oh, that's the slate. And so Oklahoma has Bama, South Carolina, Texas as the home team at a neutral site in Tennessee. And then a bunch of cats on the other side. Got the Auburn <laughs> Tigers, got the LSU Tigers, got the Mizzou Tigers, and you got the Ole Miss uh, racists. I mean, Rebels, I mean. Uh, I don't think they're the Rebels anymore. Are they? What, what are they? I thought they changed it. No, no. no. No, 
I thought it, it's still the running rebels, isn't it? Maybe their mascot's a shark. Their mascot's a shark now. It's a land shark. Yeah. yeah, it's a land shark. Okay, they did keep the nickname Rebels, but they adopted the land shark. Yeah, just that's just a interesting compromise, maybe. I don't know. But yeah, uh, then you got some the running Rebels from Ole Miss. So yeah, trying to keep that tradition alive, I guess. But uh, so how do you feel about that? At first, I, at first, my mind went to, oh my goodness, Oklahoma's going to play Spencer Rattler and Norman. And then I was thinking, and then somebody alerted me to the fact that, like, remember, this is two seasons away, not next season. And that's like, okay, he'll be graduated by then. Won't matter. Right. Um, but it's still Shane Beamer. He still runs a good program, runs a tight ship. Um, he's a guy that I think would have been the next head coach at Oklahoma if he not left a year earlier um and uh but man the first the, the first one that pops off on your on your face besides uh alabama is at baton rouge i love it oh it's great i love it it's gonna be such a cultural awakening for the state 100 percent. so i've been like, to baton rouge and it's they're mean it's gonna be an eye-opener like even if you were a nice person and you're being a courteous fan they will just tell you to F yourself and maybe yeah. to like, yeah, yeah. They'll tell you a lot of things to do to yourself. Uh, and they might, they might even throw stuff at you. Like it's like that insane in the stadium. Yeah. I went to new Orleans what, last year. So we went through a lot of rural Louisiana Baton Rouge uh, yep. was along the way. And it's just different. It's just a little bit different over there. There's just a lot of casinos. More. Yep, it's true. But just know that the casinos aren't what Oklahoma offers. That's correct. It's going to be someone's like garage. <laughs> it's going to be insane. It's the garage have like a damp smell to it. I mean, if we're being honest, in Baton Rouge, never... in Louisiana, I mean, well, everything kind of has this smell of damp. Like, and that's not to be mean. It's just kind of they're in the Gulf of Mexico. They're below sea level. It's pretty humid there. Yeah, I only went to like two gas stations on the way, and. One was a Loves, so it had no casino in it. And one was like a old shell station. And we thought it was closed because the windows were, were dark or blacked out. Go inside and there's like four slot machines, casino yep. sign, and then you have like a rundown gas station. So it's just a it's a different place. You'll like it. It's a lot of fun, but it's gonna be different. Yeah, I mean like I, I've been to Louisiana several times. It's kind of it's, it's a nice little place, but uh, once you get to that stadium in Death Valley, that all rules are gone, uh, and those fans will physically attack you, not just verbally. They will <laughs> physically attack you. Uh, Mizzou Jack has a great story about that one about somebody throwing a TV out their window and almost smashing Jack. So that's always a fun one. But I mean, with Eli Drinkowitz, that team ain't going nowhere. So I'm not worried about that game. Hopefully, he stays there. I'm, I'm not I'm not worried about that game whatsoever. Missouri is garbage. Uh, and they were even garbage in mid in the Big 12. So it looks like nothing has changed. Auburn is they got a freaking eagle that you know flies around the stadium and lands on somebody's hand before the game, and we had to listen to goddamn crazy crane a crazy train. <laughs> uh, so that's that's cool. And there's gonna be escorts in the uh, student mm-hmm. section. That's cool. Really? According to Hugh. Oh, happens. Actually, Hugh should probably talk to uh, 
James Hale about burner phones. <laughs> it's that's a good point. That's it. That's a good bring a full circle there. Yep, all the way around. Which is maybe something I was retweeted. Um, <laughs> LSU, and that's an interesting one. I'm in, I'm very 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 curious to see how the actual actual game will play out. We know the pageantry will be there, uh, definitely for OU and LSU. Uh, I'm sure they'll show a crap ton of 2003 and 2019 uh, national title and college football playoff uh, clips where OU lost both of those. <laughs> I'm sure they'll show a lot of those. And um, then you have the Rebs with uh, Lane Kiffin going to the SIP, uh, going to the Grove. That would be very, very fun. Lane Kiffin, his teams are pretty hit or miss. Either they're having a pretty good season um, with a pretty good quarterback or they're hurt and they're having kind of a mid season and they don't really have the losing seasons per se in Mississippi, especially with all the money they've been able to throw out. And then man, like South Carolina at home is really the only one that doesn't, that doesn't like make me feel weird. Alabama. I mean, you already kind of know what's going to happen. Tennessee could be fun. Um, They've been recruiting at a very high level, and now they can do it publicly too. Uh, Texas is always, it's always a toss up, regardless of whatever. I mean, regardless of OU's not that great, or regardless of Texas is not that great, always a toss up. Um, and thinking of like the four opponents that OU's going to face non con, I mean, now looking at this schedule, what, what would you put the over under at? Oh man. Would it would it still be would it still be would it be seven and a half? Yeah, I, I think it would take the over at eight, but seven and a half is yeah, that's a good good starting point. Some would say six and a half. It's gonna be tough. And it, it's kind of it depends on what you do this season as far as getting your guys ready. Um, because you're gonna have Jackson Arnold probably yep. I don't want to say it's first starts, but if Dylan Gabriel wanted pretty, to do, I think fresh. he could stay another year. I don't know if you want Dylan Gabriel another year. I don't think you want another year. Like either. He's the right guy at the right time to level this thing out and not kind of scare some recruits away as far as just being like sure. a Baker Mayfield. I think it's very um, possible that Jackson Arnold takes over a job, takes a job. But where is your defensive line? And even if you get these defensive linemen, you don't have any veterans there to kind of lead you along the way. So it's going to be a very young Oklahoma team going against, I mean, most of these programs are a little bit older outside of maybe LSU will have some turnover. So, yeah. So it's good. I think I would take the over, but it's, it's close. Yeah, it, it it's it's tough sledding. I would I, I might put I even might put the over under at six and a half. And at that yeah. point, like, are you talking about like, are you talking are you talking about getting a different head coach? Are you or as Joe C? Because I think Joe C is mm-hmm. going to stick around for a few years in the SEC. Didn't mean to rhyme, uh, but I think he'll stick a few years around the SEC for football. Um, and do you think he lets Brent ride that out with the whole like? I mean, because this is based on context. Um, I mean, we've talked about Riley enough, but I mean, the man quite literally left at like 4 a.m. 
and <laughs> took two of the best players uh, in the United States with him. And then Latrell McCutcheon transferred out again. So, um, <laughs> and um, a lot of other players did too. A lot of other players kind of like turned over or there was an exodus and they brought, they brought their own and now they're pretty young. Do you think if Oklahoma, let's say, wins seven games in the SEC, let's say they win nine before the bowl or 10 games, uh, 10 games total this coming season, but they win like six or seven in the first season in the SEC. You think he's sixth round, or do you think they're talking about replacing him? That's an interesting conversation because I think Joe would want him to stick around based on the kind of talent he's pulling in. And you want to see that talent get developed. Yeah. Um, But at the same time, you have to answer, answer to some people that boosters give you the money. So it's going to be a lot of campaigning if that happens on Josie's part. I think he would want him to stay, but you're going to have to convince not the public, but a small group of people that he should stay. Yeah, gosh, it's, I think he will stay though. I, and I, and well, I'm going to have this discussion with Demetric Warren. Demetric Warren is going to be on the podcast eventually. And, and, uh, and, uh, we're going to have it too at some point this summer uh, about that. I mean, like what are the qualities of a good, good, of a good coach? What are the qualities uh, that a good team has and what does Oklahoma currently have? Those are the things that we need to talk about. Um, And what kind of qualities will the team have in the next two years? You know, those are the things that we need to, we need to discuss. And um, it's, you know, you might have some hard conversations and, but it's all contextually based because if you see, Oh, Oklahoma goes from six and seven to nine and three in the regular season. That I see growth, but then you go to the SEC, you win seven games, and God forbid you win six games again. But it is, albeit it, a little bit more tougher schedule than I thought. I thought they'd be going away to Florida, not LSU, because it's been rumored a crap ton that their right, rival would be Florida, right? Uh, I was, and I felt more comfortable with that, about going to the swamp than I felt about going to Baton Rouge. Um, and, uh, cause you know, those fans are in Florida or docile, you know, they live in a, a little swamp in Gainesville. Okay. Um, and so it's, it's an interesting conversation that, that we need to have. And it's something that I'm going to talk with Dimitri about and something that we're also going to talk about like at, at depth, uh, for a podcast. So expect that this is Texas schedule. They do play Florida at home. They do get Georgia at home. Um, they also play Kentucky. They got a Stoops brother there at home and Mississippi State. And then, of course, versus Oklahoma neutral site. Then they go to Arkansas. They go to AM, Kyle Field. And then they go to Vanderbilt. I thought it was kind of shitty that Oklahoma has to play all these teams and they let Texas off with Kentucky and Vanderbilt. Kentucky could be a surprise. They always I mean, pretty sure, tough. but, but it's Vanderbilt, Kentucky. yeah, Arkansas. I don't, don't even know what Arkansas is going to look like. Like I like them when they look like they're the next big yeah. SEC team. Yeah, and sometimes they look like Vanderbilt. So it's and it's just the draw weird. too. It's just yeah. the draw too. But I was just I just looked at it and I was like, they really got Vanderbilt. But really? what's Mississippi State going to look like under yeah. a new head coach? Sure. 
So I, they do have the easier end of the schedule. But, I mean, Kentucky, Georgia, and probably we'll see what happens with A&M. Yeah. Uh, that's their and three, it was, three big games. The SEC was seemingly very adamant that Texas and Oklahoma would split Georgia and Alabama. It was just how, like, who would get which opponent. And, of course, OU and Alabama fit like a glove there with their previous history of just playing each other in general and the colors in Texas and Georgia. Well, Texas just played Alabama anyways. Um, and why not have them play Georgia? Uh, that makes sense. Makes, makes the most sense. It's interesting, but the team I'm interested in talking about their schedule is Texas A&M. This is where Jimbo Fisher, I feel like, either gets fired or or something or something or something happens okay like like some sort of uh i don't know i don't know just some random occurrence and something that like destroys the uh, integrity of something it, it's something that just reeks of jimbo fisher just, it's i don't know just like the slick haired of this of it all AM, they don't have Georgia, no Bama, no Tennessee, no, no Ole Miss, and no Oklahoma. They dodged pretty much all the big players that were to the two major players, if you will, in the SEC, Bama and Georgia. And they don't have Tennessee, who's kind of on the up. They don't have Ole Miss, who's kind of on the up. Oklahoma, they're trying to get on the up. And if Jimbo does not win the sec west do they not riot or not the sec west because that's in 2024 if they don't make it to the top where i always contend for the top of the sec jimbo fisher's done yeah he has to be um has he's to done as far as just being a talking point i think his contract runs his for buyout like is stupid 20 31 or 32 something like that dude they and gave him a national title guaranteed. trophy they gave him a national title trophy with a year <laughs> not engraved before when he got on campus yeah and they've been just pumping that program since since uh sumlin full of money to get the best players they they get like get johnny manzel that went in a heisman and then breaks the heisman barrier for freshmen and uh but they never come close he basically has ninety million dollars left on his contract through twenty thirty one. It's fully guaranteed. So, um, even if he has that season, I I don't think they would get rid of him. Like even I, with all the money they have, I that's feel like there'd be like a manufactured incredible. scandal, like like a manufactured scandal to get rid of him. I mean, maybe, maybe they could talk to the Saudis. That's that's what they've been doing. I mean, my favorite soccer team. I mean, that's that's who they're selling all their their players to. So the, to, to get money, there off was the books. That, that Texas A&M leak that they were, there's some sort of Saudi connection. Maybe that's what they're planning. Like, Hey, if this doesn't work out in 2024, <laughs> we need to do whatever you guys do to like reporters. We need to Jeez. make Jimbo disappear. <laughs> but even then they still got to pay him. So you're going to pay 90 million plus a new, new coaching contract. <laughs> That's the thing. Like, I there's got to be a manufactured scandal for them to get rid of him. If he can't, if he can't do it, then 
They've been pulling in top 10 classes every single year. They've been buying those guys. They've been, they have the best bought interior defensive line from Oklahoma. And like legitimately the last, the last two cycles, we talked about it. Yeah. And, uh, they, they still can't manufacture those wins. With but I think they, they would talent. still have to keep them for at least a couple of years. Just kind of let then, them flame out a little bit. Yeah, but the, the shine wears off at that point because the whole selling point is Texas a and is going to offer you a lot of money. It might not pay it, but we'll get you to the NFL and we'll win. But if you can't produce NFL talent or you can't win, let's say X player gets $100,000 to go A&M and they're going to miss out on whatever their signing bonus is. It's being like a yep. first through fourth rounder. It feels if it, it feels like a red shirt year to take a signing bonus to go to another team for a lot of yeah, these players that's probably to go to A&M. Being. Like so. knowing that they're going to call a station to get this amount of money and then they're going to, somebody's going to leave or something's going to happen or they're just going to want to go somewhere else afterwards because that's kind of what like the, for the high profile athletes, it's kind of like what it's like these days for some, not all of course. Uh, but <laughs> what is a, I mean, that's, that's, that's the Aggie mindset. I mean, lock this guy up for however many years and do nothing with amazing and bot talent. They got two good coordinators and I think it's a Durkin and Petrino. Yeah. Yeah. So guys with questionable pass, one probably killed a kid. So, uh, I mean LSU, Brian Kelly, they're doing everything they came to win. And if if this doesn't work out, then like, is it ever possible? Gosh, uh, I mean, we'll see. I'm excited to see Texas and Texas A&M fans hate each other again, though. Oh, live on the timeline, I might like, still I be like an Orange Bloods and Texas subscription, like. It takes, if someone it, has it, one, DM me your login. Because because Oklahoma, we we haven't seen really in the Twitter age. It's been Texas and Oklahoma and OU fan fights all the time, like twenty four seven. Because that's Twitter age, like when it became really popularized. Now I'm excited to see because Oklahoma, yeah, they'll still talk crap to Texas fans. Oklahoma doesn't really talk crap to OSU fans, like. It's not really worth our time. I don't, nobody spends there's just time not a lot of OSU, OSU personalities. Yeah, too. for real. Uh, and and there's a lot of good OSU people too that I, that I really like. Micah Allen, Spolf Slavin, all those dudes. Uh, they're great people. Um, but it's going to be interesting to see Texas fans have to divert their attention to also the A and M fans that are just like laying into them. So I'm very excited to see all the toxicity between Texas and Texas A and M fans on Twitter. Uh, because I know they really, really don't like each other. It's going to be special. Like, it feels like there could be stabbings in the stands at AM and Texas games instead of the Cotton Bowl, where everybody just gets drunk and they pass out little tiny things <laughs> of uh, Pedialyte for ta- fans attending the game. Something. They Pretty did nice. that. They did it a couple of years ago. That was very nice of them to pass out little oh, things. They? Yeah, they passed out like. Little bottles of Pedialyte um, while you re-entered, or not re-entered, while you entered the stadium a few years back. Hopefully, so, they keep that up in the SEC. Yeah, they knew that. They knew what was up. So, oh, that you you'll be able to do horns down in the SEC. So that'll be good. It's not a penalty. So it'll be be more fun. I bet Brett Yormark, Brett Yormark, um, would have let the 
horns down go actually just the decisions and things he's yeah. making and the vibes i'm getting from him i bet he lets the horns down thing stick i think it's a bullsby thing yeah god and if we're gonna stick yeah you know, he did a good job though i, I think he's to, doing really well but to say like if there's one f word we're gonna use on the spot and say football with bob bullsby it took fun out of it like you know he that, just did absolutely nothing. That to do on the sideline right after a game, the game is over. Yeah, who's the receiver that was at West Virginia? Oh. He was a white guy, but he was, like, super good. He was, like, Jordy Nelson 2.0. I, I know you're talking about. I can't remember. But he did it after that game-winning catch, and that was just, like, one of the more memorable moments in the Big 12. And, oh, and who was the, was it, who was the quarterback, Clint Trickett? No, it was the other one. Uh... The guy from Florida. Yeah. from Florida. Yeah. I can't remember his name. Not Trickett. Oh, it's the other transfer. <laughs> it's hard to keep up the with the transfers from uh, for the transfer quarterbacks from, from West Virginia. But no, it, it's it's just really uh, dang it. Now it's bugging me. Will Greer. Will Greer. That's what it was. Yeah, he did it. And then suddenly became a big deal, you know? Um, so that'll be fun. But man, we're at, we're we're going a little bit later. That's all. That's all I've got. We've t- talking about a lot of recruiting, a lot of other random stuff, and scheduling. Anything else you got? Uh, join the Discord. I have been absent all day because I was out playing terrible golf and getting like a pretty good sunburn. But it's been popping off. I'm reading it right now. We're talking about recruiting. We're talking about uh, the upcoming NBA draft, uh, 2023 season what's going to happen with the NCAA as far as football. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot of discussions going on. It's free to join, ton of info. Uh, but we usually drop whatever inside info we get in there. So, Yeah, and um, it's in. It's always in the bio of the podcast link, and it's on Twitter. Uh, I post the link tree there too as well. Um, you can find all the podcasts and all the YouTube stuff and everything else. So, I would recommend joining the Discord as well. It's a good time. And uh, check out the link tree because it offers you the YouTube. You can sub to YouTube and, you know, get a ding of the bell when the video is live and ready um, and everything else. So, you guys can follow us on Twitter. Uh, you can follow Jack uh, at JLarryShields. Uh, you can follow me, Kamehameha Morabian, at K underscore Morabian. And then you can follow Steven at Oyotara SP. Thank you guys for continuing listening, and we'll check you guys later.